The Secrets of Doctor Who is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous supporters. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash donate. You're listening to The Secrets of Doctor Who, episode number 90. I'm a doctor. I've lived for over 2,000 years. I am Scottish. I can complain about things. Shush. Hi, I'm Don Bettinelli, and you're listening to The Secrets of Doctor Who, where we discuss everything about the hit BBC series, Doctor Who. Today we're discussing Peter Capaldi's entire run as the 12th Doctor. Uh, t- joining me today on so, the... get ready for a long, long podcast. <laughs> yes, yeah, we're going to talk about, about every episode, every... Oh. <laughs> in depth. It'll be about 40 minutes per episode, so uh, settle in, folks. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> so, joining me today on the panel, as always, are Jimmy Aiken. Hi, Jimmy. Howdy, Dom. And Father Corey Stika. Hi, Father Corey. How's it going? Okay, first, before we get into the Peter Capaldi, uh, I've got a little listener feedback here uh, on our episode from a while ago now, uh, where we've been recording ahead of ahead uh, for the summer, getting preparation for the next season of Doctor Who. So our feedback is is a little delayed, but I still want to read it because it's a good good note. When, in uh, Secrets of Doctor Who number 77 uh, on Idiot's Lantern, uh, we all were baffled at the the line uh, where we were told um, you can't you know you're hanging the Union Jack upside down, and we all thought how could, is it possible it, to hang it's so Jack? S- symmetrical? Well, well, it turns out it's actually not. So uh, Scott yeah. Shields, well, it is, no, it, it's very symmetrical, but not entirely. It turns not out. perfectly. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Scott Shields wrote in with a note. He says, it looks like that since it's not perfectly symmetrical, that it's possible to hang it upside down and he included a link to projectbritain.com, uh, on, which is a website about British life and culture. And it's, uh, that the article is titled how to fly the union flag correctly. How can you tell if it's upside down? And if you look at the flag, now it's obvious the, yeah. uh, the, the, uh, diagonal red, uh, uh, stripes, uh, are not. Are- they're offset. They're offset. From, yes. They're not perfectly centered, and so because they're offset, if you turn it upside down, they're offset in the wrong direction. Exactly. It's the it's the um, the let's see the cross of Saint Andrew overlaid on the uh, cross of uh, 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 cross of Saint Patrick. I think is how they said it. So um, on the side next to the flagpole, the hoist side. The thick white band is above the red band on both diagonals. The white band is part of the cross of St. Andrew, uh, and which is the Scottish flag. And the and, uh, the red band is part of the cross of St. Patrick, the Irish flag. And uh, so that's that. So it's uh, we don't want to mix up Scotland and Ireland uh, in that case. That would be very bad. <laughs> no, we didn't mix them up. We just had them centered. No, no. I mean, as in if you keep it upside down, if you hang your yeah. flag upside down. So, uh, but so thank you, Scott, for uh, letting us know. So some fun with flags yeah. with uh, Sheldon Cooper. There we go. <laughs> so now that we get him started on the difference between the Confederate flag and the Navy Jack. <laughs> yes. uh, so uh, that that leads us back into our topic for today. Now, just uh, as you folks know, it's the beginning of September and next month we've got our first 
uh, or the, the beginning of the next season of Doctor Who with uh, the new Doctor. And we thought it would be nice to opportunity to look back at the most recent Doctor, uh, Peter Capaldi, and sort of review how it went. Uh, and, and it's sort of significant for us because our first episode of The Secrets of Doctor Who w- was coincided with the first uh, episode of uh, Peter, Peter Capaldi, Capaldi uh, Deep Breath. And so we've had, we've got that unique opportunity to kind of look, you know, look back at something we've already sort of talked about, but to kind of give our, our spin on it. And um, so now it's time to take a deep breath and reflect. Exactly. Uh, yes. Um, so hush. And so as we re- listen. Yeah. Listen. And as we return to, to it, this will be twice upon a time uh, for, for yeah, us. Yeah. For us. <laughs> so, um, so first let's talk about um, the casting of Peter Capaldi. Um, and, and, and the choice of this particular actor following on Matt Smith, uh, mm-hmm. which was a significant difference in many uh, yeah. ways from, oh, yes. from Matt Smith. Well, I think one thing that was kind of interesting, it was even just from the announcement of him, um, they made a big, big deal out of it. They had right. a big performance. They had this half an hour you know, talk where they reviewed Matt Smith's time as the doctor. It was like a talk show. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was really this, this huge performance that was simulcast throughout, you know, the the world really. I mean, I think Canada, U S yes, of course, Great Britain, Australia, other places as well, you know, and they made a big deal out of it. That and, really <laughs> never happened. And then they did a, after. a world tour at one point with, uh, the doctor and Clara, uh, the mm-hmm. Peter Capaldi and and Jenna Coleman, they did this world tour, uh, going to you know as far as you know South Korea and Japan and mm-hmm. uh, uh, as as the new Doctor and so I mean yeah they made it such a huge deal, which had ne- I don't remember that ever being done before, and they mm-hmm. certainly didn't do that again with the no. revelation of Jodie Whittaker, no, this, which this was, was a what very different time deal. Yeah, this yeah. was a one time deal where you know previous Doctors it was pretty much just announced you know they might have some like like they did with with uh jody whitaker where they kind of built it up of who it was going to be in commercials right but to have an actual show based around and this big performance based around this announcement was had it been done as far as i know it's never really been done it's common to have like after the announcement to have the actors do a kind of tour of the chat shows in England and, you know, show up on mm-hmm. the morning talk shows and things and Blue Peter and stuff like that. Um, but having a world tour I th- is interesting. I think partly that may be motivated by a couple of factors. One is the desire to have um, the show promoted internationally because the international audience is a big part of its financing right. these days. Um, also, having a shift to a doctor as different as um, Peter Capaldi uh, is something you might want to get people to in different countries mm-hmm. to have some interaction with him and get used to him and stuff so he's not quite such a shock. 
um, because the one of the one of the things that's been uh, observed about the doctors is the casting and the portrayal of each doctor is a reaction to the casting and portrayal of the previous doctor. So you start with this kind of stodgy William Hartnell, and then you uh, get the much more lighthearted Patrick Troughton, and then it's back to the more reserved John Pertwee, and then it's the zany Tom Baker, and then from the zany Tom Baker, it's this nice and sweet Peter Davison, and then from nice and sweet (laughs) Peter Davidson, it's brash and abrasive Colin Baker. And so you have this kind of bouncing back and forth. It's like the even and odd numbered Star Trek movie thing where all the evens are good <laughs> and the, star, the odds are not as good. Right. Um, but we'd had with uh, the recent doctors, they'd, they'd been fairly young, but they've been getting younger and in, in the revival series. And they've been also pretty nice. I mean, the David Tennant and Matt Smith in particular – were yep. thought of as your good boyfriend doctors. And how do you, where do you go from there? You know, how do you make it feel different? Um, and to, to make it feel different, they said, okay, let's go more alien. Let's get out of this romance area. Let's get older. And, uh, and, and since, uh, and so those factors, plus Stephen Moffat apparently being very impressed with Peter Capaldi as an actor, led to his casting and his portrayal as a very alien, abrasive, um, right. older doctor. And, you know, I, I think it would have worked better if they'd left the, the abrasive part out. Yeah. Because, again, they, Tom I, Baker was, or Tom Baker was a very alien yeah. doctor. He was a very alien doctor, but he's also considered to be, by many people, one of the most beloved doctors. Yeah, you know, he so. was able to he he was able to pull off alienness and kind of he could be abrasive at times, but but not the way Peter Capaldi was. No, um, not I at think, the beginning, at least. Yeah, I think they botched Peter Capaldi's introduction as the Doctor, um, and even fans have commented that with each season he the writing for him shifts and he becomes yep. warmer with each season. The first season, I felt like he was stuck in perpetual regeneration madness mm-hmm. and he was just very unrelatable. And the, um, uh, and I think they took some of the worst elements of Matt Smith's doctor. Cause he could be arrogant as well. He yep. could be charming and funny, but he could be arrogant and they kept the arrogance, which was the one thing they really needed to lose. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, I find my experience of Peter Capaldi, even though I like him by the end, he's yeah. nowhere near the top of my list uh, as a doctor. And I think they, in a way here, repeated a mistake they made in classic who, where coming out of nice guy Peter Davison, they said, let's go with abrasive, bombastic Colin Baker. We'll make the doctor, uh, you know, very abrasive and then warm the audience up to him over time. And alienating the audience from your main character is like always a mistake. Yeah. And it killed the ratings last time they did it, and it almost killed the show. And it, it was one of the contributing factors to the death of the show in the 80s. Mm-hmm. Um, and this time we're in a similar situation where uh, the ratings started to go down after Matt Smith. They'd been at a ratings high, and then they started to shrink globally with Peter Capaldi. 
And um, and now they're doing the desperate expedient of let's change the gender and see if that brings new fans in. Uh, gender changing being something that only makes sense as a desperate move, at least the first time you do it, as a desperate move to try to stimulate interest in the series. One of the things that about the you making an abrasive, it's such a delicate balance to create a, a, a you know, a likable abrasive character. You, you see some mm-hmm. classic uh, examples in, say, um, the, the TV show House, uh, right. who, who is classic abrasive. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's, it's it's well, so think, much more difficult to make a likable yet abrasive right. character. Well, think think Archie Bunker and all in the family. I mean, right. Actually, a beloved character, but he's about as abrasive and aggressive as you can get. I mean, right, right. Um, I, I don't. Yeah, I wonder how well that's aged. Um, I, I mean, haven't rewatched those. Yeah, yeah. I, I, but there's a difference with House and Archie Bunker, which is you knew what you were getting from the beginning. Um, they were always that way and they may have warmed up a little bit over time, but they started abrasive. So when we met them, that's what they were. Whereas if you're coming from someone who has been nice and fun and bouncy and all of a sudden they've become Mr. Abrasive, that's a different experience for the audience. Right. And when you go, when you've had, you know, uh, almost 10 years of Matt Smith and David Tennant, um, right. I mean, if he'd gone from Eccleston to Capaldi, that might not have been as much of a shock because Eccleston was he could he was, mm-hmm. you know, you know, fantastic, you know, but he was also yeah. somewhat dark. Uh, yeah. That, that might not. Have, yeah. Yeah. That might not have been as much of a uh, of a of a shock to the system uh, as much as the Capaldi, Capaldi was as much. Although I, I like Capaldi and, and um, probably I, I probably more than you do, Jimmy, I think mm-hmm. for certain. Uh-huh. But. But uh, but I I agree that they came out of the gate way too harsh, um, especially the first two episodes. The first episode, Regeneration Madness, Into the Dalek, that was dark. You know, he was very like angry still, mm-hmm. um, and 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 then it wasn't really until maybe the fourth episode, Listen, where he started to kind of that wasn't the 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 the, the biggest note in his personality. Uh, where you really started to get beyond that, um, and so, and by the, I think by the end of that season, I felt like they were they had they had really started to dial things back a little bit, and then and then once we got into the the, the next season, it was it was it was much better. Um, they relaxed him a lot. They you know for for good or for ill, they introduced the guitar, the hoodie, and the sunglasses. Well, I- I was just going to say, then they started to make all new mistakes. Right. Um, the the sonic sunglasses, you know, I could have dealt with those for an episode or so, but they made him too big a deal. The hoodie and the rock guitar, and yes, I know he plays electric guitar in real life, mm-hmm. but but that led the way they handled that. It wasn't just the doctor playing electric guitar occasionally by himself on the TARDIS. It was him being a rock idol in the middle ages using his yeah. <laughs> electric axe in front of all of these barbarians and them totally getting into it was just over the top nonsense i mean these people would have been used to an entirely different kind of music at that period and this would not have sounded good to their ears it's like that scene in back to the future where marty mcfly starts to heavy metal out 
at the mm-hmm. end of Johnny Be Good, and no, and everyone just looks at him stunned because it's such <laughs> a different style of music than anything they're used to. Well, Peter Capaldi would have had the, you may not like this, but your great, 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 great grandkids are going to love it. Right. Right. So, um, so let's go, go from there. And one of the things I'd like to do is just kind of talk about, um, the high points and the low points of the, of these three seasons. So there were there were basically three seasons, uh, new you know the new series season eight, nine, and ten. So uh, season eight was in two thousand fourteen, season nine was two thousand fifteen, season ten was two thousand seventeen, of course. Um, but I'd like to kind of to kind of have a little fun a bit where we talk about our our top five episodes and our uh five least favorite episodes, the five worst. I actually, I kind of think that the least favorite episodes give me more fun, but um, maybe, um, maybe we can, so let's do the top five in reverse order and we'll go with it. You know, um, we'll just take turns giving our list and then we can discuss our lists afterward. Um, uh, And as host, I will, I will go last and I will let you guys go first. Uh, Father Corey, why, why don't you go? If you have it, your top five, episodes from Peter Capaldi's era, uh, starting with number five and then work your way to number one. Okay. Admittedly, I really don't have them ranked specifically in order. I just, okay. I just, I, I've got five episodes that I particularly, you know, that particularly stood out as I was kind of looking through the, the list of the episodes. Um, I think a big one, you know, it, it's funny when, when we were discussing doing this, you know, is one thing you mentioned, Dom, was having two parters as one episode. Yeah. Mm-hmm. However, <laughs> there is one two-parter that I had to break apart. Yeah. Because I really enjoyed, I really liked World Enough in Time. I think we've kind of all come to consensus on that one. Right. Mm-hmm. The Doctor Falls can't include it. It kind of, in, in my opinion, it ruined that two-parter. I liked the World Enough in Time. Um, we'll talk again. We can talk about these. You said mm-hmm. we're going to talk about these after. Um, one two-parter I did like was the Zygon. Two-parter, mm-hmm. invasion and inversion. Face the Raven, mm-hmm. which they ruined later, but I like the episode itself. Right, Empress of Mars was mm. one I enjoyed, and the Return of Doctor Mysterio. Okay, okay. Uh, Jimmy, why don't you give your list? Um, so mine is only five-ish. It's a little more than five. Um, <laughs> I, I, and it's also not ranked because that wasn't part of the assignment. Um, but, um, I liked Listen. Uh, I thought that was a great conceptual episode where they did something different that hadn't been done before in the show. I liked Flatline. Uh, at least I liked the bits of it mm-hmm. I remember, uh, like the, the, the TARDIS thing from the Adams family moment, I think is awesome. Yep. Um, I liked the magic, the Missy Clara Dalek Davros thing, uh, magician's oh, apprentice yeah. and which is familiar as a two parter. I, li- I, I loved the husbands of river song. I loved mm. finally seeing that part of her arc close out. And I liked the way they did it. I thought it was mm-hmm. a very sweet ending, and 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 I just liked that a lot. I I really liked the return of Doctor Mysterio. I thought that was a lot of fun. <clears throat> and in the most recent season, I liked Extremis. 
Um, I thought they did Dan Brown more effectively than Dan Brown, <laughs> like way more effectively than yes. Dan Brown. Yes. And I liked World Enough in Time, but was somewhat disappointed by the Doctor Falls. So uh, I'll give my list, and and I I I did the river. The, I'll do it in reverse order of the of what I liked to uh to, to the you know to the most liked. Although admittedly, at you know the last few could be interchanged. But let's just, mm-hmm. that said. Um, again, like you, I Magician's Apprentice and Witches Familiar, the uh, the 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 Davros episodes, um, the Zygon Invasion and Inversion, uh, World Enough in Time, and the and the Doctor Falls. I, I, I was not as negative. Well, maybe maybe if someone goes back and listens, I might have been more negative. But in my memory, <laughs> I'm not as negative uh, on the Doctor Falls. There were par- there were parts of that that I I really liked. Uh, some of the master parts. Um, mm-hmm. heaven, heaven sent, um, uh, more so than hell bent. So I kind of split that one off mm-hmm. in the two parter, but, uh, heaven sent where he's, um, locked in the castle over thousands of iterations being chased by the hooded figure of death. Uh, and listen, I, I, I listed, I listed listen as my top, uh, because, um, I, I did, I also enjoyed that it's a different concept is a sort of a locker room mystery, the doctor alone in the TARDIS. Um, and then we got, also got some insight into the doctor's past, uh, including Clara under his bed as a child, grabbing his leg and putting the fear of the darkness into him for the rest of his life. Um, so, uh, you know, if, the reason I liked the uh, Zygon invasion version, I mean, the big part of that was, um, well, part of it was seeing Oswald uh, again. Yeah, she's fun. I like her. Yeah. And uh, I did. Uh, but I was going to say the big thing I liked was that last scene where the two Claras with the hands over the uh, the button and the the it was Moffat at his best speechifying uh, there, mm-hmm. in my opinion. I just so, I, I listed um, it because I not just not just the not just that closing speech, which, of course, was is brilliant, but kind of the whole premise of the episode as well the whole um the action of the the episode i mean there of course there's it's moffat there's gonna be implausibilities you know but a lot of it i there's just a lot of the episode i thought was very well done Mm -hmm. as an episode um and and just kind of the, the the tension between the zygons especially the breakaway zygons and the humans right right it it sort of develops um, the best science fiction does is it reflects something back on us and it sort of develop. it, it reflects on our own tendency toward um, xenophobia uh, mm-hmm. and, and fear of the other, um, especially if they look different from us. And so uh, right. I, I think it did a, a, an effective job of that without being too preachy uh, from a, one point of view. Yeah, I I think I, my perspective on this one is a little different. I think they did get a little too preachy, and I'd rather hear a Jeff Winger speech than a Peter Capaldi speech. Um, but uh, I I I also don't like the way the Zygons have been handled in Revival Who. Um, I think the makeup redesign they've done on them isn't that successful. I think they, I'd rather, I'd rather watch the, the Zygons from the original, um, Doctor Who and the Loch Ness Monster. Um, it, 
I, I, I think that portrayal of the Zygons is more interesting to me than what they do now. Yeah, I, maybe I'd be inf- if I had seen a uh, classic who's Zygons, I might be more influenced by that. Then yeah. Yeah. we'll get there. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so um, and then let's see if there's anything else. I mean, a big part of the Magician's Apprentice, which is familiar, uh, is Missy. Just you know how mm-hmm. great she was. We'll talk about her uh, more specifically in a bit. Um, and uh, yeah, the Missy Clara interaction and the Doctor Davros interaction yes. are the things that make that episode sing. And having now seen the genesis of the Daleks um, in retrospect, where where Tom Baker's Doctor uh, see, you know, meets Davros, it gives a whole new. I should actually go back and rewatch that because it gives a whole mm-hmm. new uh, tenor uh, to that mm-hmm. exchange, uh, which makes it, I think, even better. So uh, I do, I do really, it might've pushed it further up my list actually, if I had gone back and rewatched it. Uh, so mm-hmm. anything else you guys want to say about the top five? Cause then we can go right to the five worst, which is more fun. <laughs> I, I just, you know, I just think, go ahead. I was gonna say, you know, Jimmy and I both pointed out Dr. Mysterio and it was just, I mm-hmm. think that episode's on our list. Kind of, as you said, Jimmy, it's just a fun episode. It's it a is. superhero yeah. episode. It was just fun. I mean, yeah. it was really, it's just enjoyable. Exactly. And I, I was I was going to make a related point because it's a Christmas episode and I think they figured out what they need to do for Christmas episodes because they yeah. tried when they first started doing the Christmas episodes in New Who, um, they they tried to make it a lot about Christmas on a superficial mm-hmm. level with the Santa robots and the killer Christmas trees. And, and that got old really fast. Yeah. And yeah. then they tried to go conceptually deeper with a Christmas Carol, which I think is the best of the Christmas episodes, with Kazdan Zardik and all the ghosts of Christmas past, present, and future, timey wimey. Right. That mm. that was, I think, really good. <clears throat> then and the, then they tried to stay kind of on the conceptual level with a ripoff of the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, which didn't work at all. Right. And 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 the the Santa alien head crab thing you know, was a mixed success. I thought the Santa thing was actually nice, but right. the rest of it was kind of, eh. and, and I, and they were again, trying to rely on, on Christmas trappings a lot. Mm-hmm. And in what they did with Dr. Mysterio is they said, okay, this is a, just going to be a fun adventure that just happens to take place at Christmas yep. time. So there's a little Christmas in the background, but it's not a major feature of the plot. And that I think is the course they need to use in the future for Christmas episodes. They, it, they, unless they come up with some blindingly great idea like a Christmas Carol, or let's go back to two BC, um, yeah. <laughs> then, um, then they they need to uh, they need to just tell us a fun story that just happens to take place at Christmas, but otherwise doesn't really involve it. Yeah, I mean, I, I th- actually I think I ranked my the Christmas specials because I did that separately uh, the same mm-hmm. way you did. Uh, like I like there were elements of last Christmas. I really like uh, Nick Frost as, as Santa, the, mm-hmm. the, uh, the wisecracking elves, you, the, you know, the, I mean, it's just, there was elements of that. I really, Santa's bag, Santa's bag is bigger on the inside. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There, there was some great, there was some great lines, great moments. Um, uh, but yeah, overall the whole, 
his inception uh, quality to it was a little off for me. Uh, I don't I don't like when we get to the end of a story and it's like, and and then they tell you, oh, by the way, this didn't really happen or did it? And, and I'm like, or did uh, it? Yeah. It's sort of annoying to me. Uh, Husbands of River Song was a great wrap up to that character. Yes. Because uh, I'm, I'm, I kind of assume that th- she's going to be treated as Moffat's character and she's not going to come back. Uh, I just I, I just I, had that feeling. I, I, she she you may well be right, but I could see them bringing her back to see how she relates to Jodie Fa- Jody Whittaker. That's true. That's true. Uh, mm-hmm. But it felt like a wrap up to the character. Like that, the, that would be yeah. interesting. But but I, I kind of agree with Dom, where it, it it's kind of like you know Captain Jack was was a uh, Russell T Davies character, and River Song is, is yeah, Moffat's. Moffat's. Yeah. Moffat's. And especially they'd have to really kind of fiddle with things because the you know River never had a picture. Remember she had the pictures of all the doctors, and she never there was never a hint that the doctor was a woman. So they kind of yeah. The way they the way they package it, but I really enjoy that. Not to mention the not least because of the introduction of Nardal, who was so popular that they yeah. brought him back oh, as yes. a regular companion. I mean, just what a great <laughs> character! And that's and that's he's one of the reasons why the return of Doctor Mysterio was so good. Uh, was because he was the Doctor's companion, sole companion in that story, um, and and because it was and an, a really effective counterpoint to the Doctor, who was yes. being glum and grumpy at this point, and Nardole was adding the comedy we needed and kind right. of needling the Doctor. Yep. Right, that's actually one of the difficulties that I think they experience with the Christmas specials lately is, or most of the time, is how often the Christmas specials take place in between companions. And so we have... You know, we know how the doctor gets when he's in between companions. He's traveling alone. He's sort of grumpy and glum. And who wants a Christmas story about that? You know what I mean? So, yeah. so in this way, we got him with, you know, at least with Nardol to kind of be a companion uh, with him. And it was an effective, I feel like it was an effective American story. In the past, when the doctor has gone to America, it has rarely been effectively done. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. town called mercy comes up to mind yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the, uh, we're not doing our t- we're not doing our five worst matt smith episodes no today, no, no but yeah, there, there are a couple set in manhattan that weren't great the the, the americans yeah. were a little over the top uh, the dr mysterio was much more effective i think like that and it plays off of something current which is the superhero genre is huge in everything yep. as we all know so um so i like this all right, so we've talked about our Christmas specials and uh, the five best. Let's get to the five worst episodes of the Capaldi era. Oh, um, yes. <laughs> so, again, Father Corey, why don't you start us off again? Well, um, again, kind of in no particular order, um, I had to put Heaven Sent Hellbent on it. <laughs> I just – that both of them together. Yep. I'm going to mention the one I think is on all of our lists. Kill the moon. Ooh. Moon egg. <laughs> yeah. Time heist. Yeah. Really? Oh, okay. I didn't like time heist. Uh-huh. Sleep, sleep no more and Robert robots of Sherwood. Okay. Okay. Uh, Jimmy, your list. I had some similar ones uh, just to get it out of the way. Kill the moon. Yep. Uh, (laughs) Awful. Moon egg is just, there's just so much wrong there. It's such a terrible idea. 
especially laying a new moon that's identical to the old one right at the end. I mean, that's just that's just stupid on so many levels. <laughs> um, Robot of Sherwood really hated it. Um, uh, just campy, unbelievable, n- no fun. Um, in the Forest of the Night, preachy environmentalism where the world oh, suddenly nice. becomes a forest and it's just and the doctor and Clara have to take care of kids in an overgrown library and stuff. And it's just, it's again, it's just goofy nonsense. That almost made my um, list that, it, yeah. Uh-huh. That one. yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, the last two are, are both, uh, are the back two halves of one that's of a three-parter. The first part of which is on the top of my list. Lie, uh, Pyramid at the end of the world is the mid part of the monks trilogy. And I really hate it because it seems to be written around its title. It's like dinosaurs on a spaceship. Yep. It just seems to exist for the purpose of its title. And it's Peter Capaldi at his most strutting, arrogant self. You know, I mean, this pyramid is here because they're sending me a message. Well, bring it on. It's just come on. Get over <laughs> yourself. And and then the follow up, which is meant to be Orwellian, Lie of the Land, is um, ineffectively done. And the solution to it is um, is re- is is just paint by numbers. Mother love solves everything based on a mother we have not learned to know or love. Right, right. Once again, Doctor Who does does mothers wrong. Yeah. So, so my list, uh, and I'll go from uh, from uh, I'll head toward the worst. Let's put it that way. So I'll start with the, the least offensive of them all. I, I was, I did not really like Smile. Uh, honestly, I I thought the the um, the emoticon robot thing. It was I don't know it just, it it didn't mm-hmm. especially the it, it had that that it's kind of weak right and the ending the the whole I hate things that end with and then we do computer magic and fix it like mm-hmm. the, oh it just, it just really drives me crazy uh, interestingly that was also written by Frank Control Boyce along with uh, in the uh, uh, the Forest of the Night so it's mm-hmm. so that's an interesting connection um, the next one is Lie of the Land uh, partly I mean a big part of that. Uh, the the whole mother love fix everything, but also how cruel the doctor was to Bill with making her think that he that she has to kill him, uh, like the whole uh, regeneration thing. And it just was oh yes, that, oh that, the regeneration fake out, yeah, yeah. That was just yeah, that didn't I, I didn't like that because uh, it, it was also they, they, manipulation of the audience because we are expecting at that point the regeneration of the doctor. Yeah, and they did like two or three regeneration fakeouts this season. That was just toying with the audience, and that was that was right. not cool. Yep. Uh, time heist. Uh, I mean, I like the idea of a of of a caper, mm-hmm. but uh, you know, in my recollection, time heist they had the 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 memory worm thing, and the and the two people that were kind of helping, and it was it was a little too convoluted and it just mm-hmm. it didn't work for me um pyramid at the end of the world so like or like like you guys one of the monks trilogy uh stories was good i liked extremists but the other two just yep it was too much like the it, it was they were tr- they were going for something that didn't work um i mean i i, I kind of think the whole monks trilogy idea ended up being a failure but i really disliked pyramid at the end of the world even more than uh, lie of the land and of course my number one moon egg <laughs> 
<laughs> kill the yeah. moon. Kill that episode. Uh, and, and the funny thing is, is, I see this actually in people's top five for Capaldi episodes, which is very interesting. There, People loved the um, Clara being stuck with the decision about the future of the Earth. And, you know, and having to make that decision, they let the and the uh, student remember the student from Coal Hill School mm-hmm. who had to come along. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just think that the concept, the, the just was just wrong. It was just yeah. bad. Yeah, there's I mean, and there's even a pro-life reading to this episode that's right. Real. I mean, I don't know that the authors intended it, but right, it, yeah. it's it's right there. And I'm pro-life and I am inclined to like things with a pro-life message. And I hate this episode. That's how bad it is. <laughs> right, right. Well, you know, ironically, you, you mentioned how people love the episode because of Clara making the ultimate decision. That's one of the reasons why I hate it. Right. right, I, right. I hate it because of the way she makes the ultimate decision, which is like – Everyone in the audience, clap your hands for Tinkerbell. You know, it, <laughs> turn, yeah. turn, turn on your lights on, and I'm going to see how many lights are on. Like, I'd even know how many would ordinarily be on. Right. Oh, so. yeah, exactly. Yeah, it was just it was uh, was it did, did we recently do we, we recently did a classic episode where there was. Oh, no, it wasn't classic. It was um, uh, the the runaway bride where. The Earth has a ship at the center of it. <laughs> that was yeah. oh, yeah. that was yeah, yeah. Uh, two weeks ago, uh, or, or so. I mean, so so neither the Moon nor the Earth are actually real. <laughs> they're they're not naturally occurring. They are constructed by aliens uh, in both cases. It just it it's it it's it's more of that upping the ante. You always talk about Jimmy. It's like they want to yeah. up the ante more and more and more higher stakes, but it just doesn't it doesn't work it, especially in this case they've gone too far so maybe they'll have a new a new time war at some point that'll reset the continuity and we can get rid of some of the stupid stuff <laughs> like like when they reboot comic book universes yeah that's go. that's not a bad idea um so let's move on to talk about uh the the 12th doctor's companions we have clara and we have bill primarily and we have nardole but nardole sort of uh it's no, called- he's a full companion. He, I, I, he should be. He should count. Okay, all right. We'll compare him with the other two. Uh, I just feel. I feel like the the way that the show presents it is there are two primary companions with Bill and Clara. Uh, but, primary, yes. But uh, but yeah, Bill and Nardole is, is like Rory was in the Amy era. He was sort of auxiliary. Yeah. Um, yep. So let's talk about the companions. So the Doctor starts with Clara, and um, I was telling you guys before we started recording. That I was last night I was watching with my wife uh, the first two Clara episodes, which is really um, it wasn't the way they introduced Clara was she was a different person in eighteen ninety two. Yeah, uh, first she was souffle girl, then she was right. a governess in the night in the nineteenth century, then she right. was a young twenty first century right person. And so we were watching those uh, the latter two the Chris, there was a Christmas special and then her first episode the Bells of St John. And and mm-hmm. I was noting how very different Clara was mm-hmm. personality-wise at the beginning. And Father Corey, you had an interesting comment on Clara. You know, it really felt to me that every season Clara changed. And it wasn't a yeah. development. You know, we, you know, we might talk about like like Rose her character developed over the two seasons she was on. Or Amy and, and Rory, their characters developed. No, it's yeah. like there was every growth. season. It's like yeah, you know, yeah. There was growth in the characters. It seemed like every season they cut off. They created a new character named Clara that had to be played by the same actress, right? And 
created a whole new character and started all over again. Yes. Every season she was different. I can you quantify that because I can I I mean I see uh, one kind of development which is organic and tends to happen with companions where they become more like the doctor over time sure. and that clearly yeah. happened with Clara and it happened mm-hmm. in a kind of organic way she didn't just suddenly become full doctor um but I see, see I kind of felt that that's one of it that's I kind of felt mm-hmm. like she almost did that last season she was uh-huh. on they almost just said okay now she's going to try to be the equal of the doctor starting from the beginning of the season. Okay. She really hadn't done that before, but now she's going to, mm-hmm. you know, okay. also I can, I mean, she would talk back to Peter Capaldi, but she would also talk back to Matt Smith. Mm-hmm. I remember in the episode journey to the center of the TARDIS, there's a moment where the monsters who are these kind of shambling time zombies have been revealed. And she's like beating on Matt Smith's chest saying the good guy does not have zombies. This is basic storytelling. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> and, and, uh, and, and so, you know, I, I could recall she would stand up to him, you know, early on, what do you, cause that was in her first season. Um, she also had a kind of perky quality that was right there from souffle girl forward. Yeah. Um, what, what did you see as kind of the, the big differences in how she was portrayed? <laughs> it's a little, I really, it's a little hard, uh, to kind of explain it. It's just, it, it, it really, it, it's as much feeling as it is, you know, kind of anything I could point to off the top of uh-huh. my head. So it's the- just, Go I was going to say, in the Bells of St. John, Clara comes across as very um, – uh, she's she's a step ahead of the doctor sometimes. She's very um, uh, coy with him. Um, she's – you know, the repartee is very snappy and she kind of – she gets – she ca- catches him up short a few times where he kind of stumbles over, you know, like she – he invites you to go with him, and she says, "No, come back tomorrow and ask me again." It's sort of a almost like a river song quality to her in that in that beginning. Mm-hmm. But by yeah, by, and it's because they're setting her up as the impossible girl, and they're creating mystery around her by she seems to know more than the doctor at some things, right? And then, but as like, and then when the uh, you know we get the she's there's very much a romantic tension between her her and the doctor right from the beginning, the eleventh doctor, and then we have. Um, the switch to uh, from 11 to 12. And now she's, I think she's kind of thrown off her game and she's very, now she has to be very different. Now she's the carer. She's, she's not the girlfriend of the doctor. She's sort of the one who remembers him the way he was. And she has to, she, she has to kind of uh, deal with him that way while also introducing, um, uh, the boyfriend, uh, um, Danny Matt, Pink, Danny Pink, maths, uh, Danny, yeah, <laughs> introducing Danny Pink. And so that changes her character. And then we have, you know, Danny die and that changes her again. She becomes much more now, uh, wounded, uh, in, in the, in the, in her last season, uh, while also she, she takes on what often happens, which is the, the doctor's companion in, in New Who becomes a sort of they 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 get too big for their britches as the doctor they think start thinking of themselves as equal to the doctor um and start oh, and doing things like that kind of one, one thing you mentioned kind of triggered where i was what i was thinking was you know you mentioned like when when danny pink died you know she had this sense of, you know getting wounded by that which is a very legitimate thing 
However, you didn't see that. At least I don't remember seeing that between 11 and 12. Right. Because in a sense, that's her boyfriend dying there and this new person coming in. I don't remember her having a lot of grief at that moment. The morning. I I do. Um, They do in in when even in. Yeah, they I mean, part of it is it starts off with a frantic chase with a Tyrannosaur. So there's not really time for grieving there. But she's clearly affected by the fact that this is no longer her boyfriend. And and it's to such an extent that she's basically ready to walk away at the end of that and stop traveling with him. And it takes a phone call from Matt Smith in the past to say, please stand by him. He's really still me and he's really scared right now. Right. And so Clara gets stuck with this kind of, it's kind of like marrying someone and then they have a stroke and they become incapacitated and their personality changes and you have to care for them and they're not the person you fell in love with anymore. Right. And maybe, and maybe that's why I don't remember that because I, I blanked out that whole Matt Smith appearance. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which was, by the way, which was very highly criticized at the time by a lot of fans as come on, we, we, we don't, we know Matt Smith was a popular doctor. We don't need one last cameo from him. But, you know, I, 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 I I can I I'm I'm not sold on that uh, because I think it plays a legitimate dramatic function of letting Clara see that this really is the same guy and he's hurting and scared right now. This is a very confusing time for him, especially given the dramatic change in personality uh, and age and all that other stuff that we have to believe that. Clara, why does Clara stay with him uh, given how things have changed? Uh, so uh, and so. Going from Clara to Bill. Um, yeah. after- By the way, I would just like I'd just like to say about Clara. I think she's a mixed success as a companion. Yeah. I think that I don't hate her the way some people do. I also don't love her the way some people do. There were nice things about her, but I think she kind of. I think there were things that were poorly handled, and she kind of overstayed and kept mm-hmm. overstaying. They had like three exits written for her before she finally left. Yeah, I. Uh, so for me, my favorite companions are all new who just because that's what I'm familiar with. And mm-hmm. I would say for the longest time, Amy and Rory were my favorite. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Clara with a close second on that. Um, uh, my least favorite of the new who would be. Um, Martha. Martha. Well, m- maybe just Although, the way she's written. Yeah. But also I, I really dislike Bill and not because. Mm. Not because she's gay. I mean, I think there might be some assumptions on that, but I just there were parts of the of Bill that just didn't seem to click for me. I just mm-hmm. and maybe it was this bad the bad stories because there were too many not so good stories in that season. But right. anyway, um, so let's talk about Bill. Um, mm-hmm. the, she got introduced as the doctor's student because he was teaching at university, and she you know gets roped in. And she's another one of these mysterious uh, humans with uh, mysterious in the fact of her background. She she doesn't have parents. Her mother died. Um, There's some question. Maybe there was some supernatural reason for it. And there's all this this background. Uh, She happened to be gay. A lot was made of that uh, in the Mm -hmm. press. um, Mm -hmm. And they introduced elements of that into the stories. Um, but I felt like they tried too hard with her to kind of incorporate this interesting character, like her, her, her 
ethnic background, her sexuality into the character much more so than they ever did with anyone else. Well, I don't know. I mean, Jamie was pretty darn Scottish. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, yes. <laughs> Not quite the same thing, but okay. Well, it was his ethnic background. I would say his ethnic background was much more prominent than Bill's. Um, I, I don't, I, I, I understand, you know, your viewpoint on Bill. I like Bill basically. Um, I think that when they, when they start getting into the gender politics and stuff, it's like, that's not what I'm here for. Just tell me a story. Um, and, and so I thought whenever they went in that direction, they were weakening the storytelling, which is, Mm -hmm. you know, classic, um, you know, Mark Twain's, uh, advice about fiction writing it must never preach overtly right because that harms the story right, and they were right. starting to preach overtly with bill yeah well but that was a fairly low proportion of her screen time and so um so i, I enjoyed her basically i thought she was a fun character she was uh, fresh she um, I, 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 I liked her. She wasn't the greatest character ever, but I enjoyed her. I thought she was a lot of fun. Yeah, I guess I, and I, I'm kind of, kind of mixed on her. And, and part of it is, you know, it's like you mentioned, Jimmy, about preaching, you know, why don't people like a lot of Christian TV and movies it, and, and such? Movies, it's because it preaches. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> You know, you, you, there's nothing worse than you're sitting there reading a book, which is not bad. It might, it, you know, kind of good escapism reading. And all of a sudden there's a preacher who gets up and preaches for two pages. Done. Yeah. Close it. I, I'm <laughs> yeah. out. You yeah, know, right. and, and that's and that I think that really did Bill a disservice. I think she would be a much better character if they didn't. You know, I, I commented at the time. It felt like every other episode. It's hi, I'm Bill and I'm gay. Yeah, <laughs> that was right. her introduction. Hi, I'm Bill and I'm gay. It's like you could have just left off that after the and. Right. If you had just left that off, we yeah. would have been fine. And and let her let her be gay, but just not have to have that be this the, like a primary component of identity. Just be part of I mean, who you are. If, I don't know about you guys, but I don't go around saying, hi, I'm Father Corey and I'm straight. <laughs> right. Or celibate. Or <laughs> You know what I mean? Or, or celibate. Yeah. OK, so so let me bring up a counter argument that I've heard to this. Um, there's a guy on YouTube named Council of Geeks. That's his channel. Yep. And he's he's kind of gender fluid or something, but he has um, some insightful comments to make. And I saw a video he did about Bill and her sexuality where he says, look, um, if someone is gay, there is a, a a different expectation about their sexuality on the part of others in society that's going to bring that to the fore more often. Because when they meet people, the assumption is going to be that they're straight because most people are. And so um, you're going to have uh, people like potentially feeling them out sexually like maybe i'm interested in you and you have to end up saying sorry i'm gay and so uh the subject is going to come up more often if if your if your inclinations are different than what most people's are and so i thought that's true in terms of um in in terms of lived experience However, that doesn't mean it doesn't come across negatively as part of storytelling. 
There's, right. I mean, there are lots of right. things that are true about life that I don't want to see on screen because they're mm-hmm. not, they're not interesting storytelling. I don't want to see every time someone goes to the bathroom, for example, that's right. a part of life, right. but that's not good storytelling. And in the same way, constantly dinging the audience with something that is controversial and sensitive in our society is also going to right. harm your storytelling. Right. And it's like like you were saying, Father, Christian fiction is usually low quality precisely because it comes across as preachy. And this is the same thing from a different perspective. Well, and, and, and I would I would argue said contra to the said contra. Uh, by the way, if you're not read St. Mm-hmm. Thomas Aquinas, he, he used that as his counter, you know, said contra, but in con, you know, encounter. Yeah. Um how many times in daily life do people talk about their sexuality? And as right. they're meeting new people, as they're going around and traveling, you know, if they're traveling, obviously not in time and space, well, maybe in space as we're, you know, flying everywhere. But how often do we meet new people? And, oh, by the way, I'm, you know. Right. It well, never the, comes well, up almost the, ever. The, co- the, uh, okay. the other counter to that is um, – you know, in society, we have people who are married and people who are single, and we yeah. don't always go around identify. I mean, I wear a wedding ring, but that that doesn't necessarily mean I'm married. I could be a, a, a widower who chooses to wear a ring, or for, or for some other reason. Uh, mm-hmm. My wife doesn't wear her wedding rings because of she can't uh, her that's too small for her. You know that sort of thing. So mm-hmm. she she's usually surrounded by children, but nevertheless, she doesn't go around introducing herself as hi, I'm Melanie, I'm married or making a big deal out of that. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's, I think that's a counter to that is, I mean, you still, I mean, yeah, someone may feel you out like, Hey, I'm attracted to you. And that's when, that's when you say, well, I'm sorry, yeah. I'm not interested. Now, like, like the scene with, like the scene with the Romans in the cave. Right. Exactly. Yeah. The, 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 as far as, Bill, well, if I just want to finish, also, okay. okay. I just want to finish one thought with Bill. The the way that makes the, her her sexuality is is relevant. It makes it interesting. Is 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 partly just because she's not a romantic interest for the doctor. There's no possibility of that. And that, as we saw with Donna, at least in the beginning, not at the end, um, introduces very much better storytelling in contrast to when it's constantly about romantic tension. Again, contrast to Clara, you know, versus in contrast to Rose and Martha Jones. It, it it helps introduce a different story element, and that aspect mm-hmm. I I did like. I'm sorry, James. Yeah. Go ahead. Um, I was just going to say, uh, said contra, said contra. Um, the there are different people are at different times and places in their lives, and if you're a priest and you're wearing your clericals, people will know that it's not going to come up. If you're wearing a wedding ring or surrounded by children, people are going to presume what your status is. It's not going to come up. But if you're a young twenty-something, that's the time it does come up because that's the time when people are starting to make long-term plans for who are we going to marry, who are we going to, who are going to be dating. That's when you're on the prime dating scene. So it will tend to come up more then. But even, but even then, you know, you're, you're in a long-term dating relationship with someone, exclusive dating relationship with someone. You still don't introduce yourself as I'm Dominic and I'm in, I'm a, you know, and I'm, it doesn't necessarily have to come up very early in any type of relation, any, any type of introduction. Yeah. My memory on this is, my memory, and I agree they overdid it, but I, I'm wondering how much of that is pers- is is based on 
just the feel of how it happened versus the way it was actually introduced. One of the things that, yeah. yeah, yeah, one of the things that Council of Geeks did, if I recall correctly, was do a count of how often Bill brought it up versus someone else brought it up first, and she had to correct them. And it and and it actually turned out, if memory serves, it's been a long time since I saw this video, but it, it memory serves. It was other people bringing it up first, and Bill right. having to correct them. Um, and but he also he, did a count, if I recall correctly, of heterosexual companions discussing their heterosexuality in similar in in parallel situations, like someone approaches Sarah Jane Smith or something, and the subject of her sexuality comes up, and that was there in 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 abundance as well. I, the thing is, is whether someone approaches her and talks about it, whether she brings it up herself, both are the product of the writer intending to bring it up. Yes, and that I agree. That's where I yeah. differ with Council of Geeks. I think the writers should not. Uh, I don't want to watch every step of someone making dinner. Right. You know, that's not good storytelling. <laughs> All right. I don't want to spend too much time on it because it gets uh, the danger of ending up talking too much about uh, that issue. One aspect. Uh, one aspect. Yeah. Um, as far as the other aspects of Bill, I think she grew in her time with the doctor. Mm -hmm. I, uh, But I was not happy with the way they, they ended her time with the doctor, which yeah. is the yeah. multiple deaths in that sense, which yep. they – which was as a very much, and we could maybe they talking about Stephen Moffat. This was Stephen Moffat's problem: is he didn't like to kill off characters uh, permanently. Mm -hmm. uh, he liked there to was always an asterisk after the yeah. death, right? Clara uh, and uh, Amy and Rory yeah. uh, and now, River. yes, like everybody has this like they're dead but not dead sort of thing, and and it's I, that feels like emotional manipulation. Uh, and so we had her die in, um, what was it, uh, World Enough in Time, and yep. the Doctor Falls, and she was sort of dead but not dead in Twice Upon a Time in the the last Christmas special. Yeah. And mm -hmm. and it just was not – in fact, actually, we forgot about that in talking about our, our favorite Christmas specials. We, we didn't – none of us actually brought up Twice Upon a Time. Uh, but it wasn't a favorite. Right. Um, but yet she you – know, so there, there's this – she just wasn't. I don't think she like for whatever uh, whatever about her that I liked or disliked as a companion. As a mm -hmm. companion, uh, I think Moffat did a disservice to all of his companion en endings the way he did it. Amy and Rory least were, were the least offensive because it was final. Mm -hmm. But right. this was. Yeah. But these well, two were not got so good. Cla Clara and a shielder slash me out there floating around in an old TARDIS. Yeah, doing making some big finish productions. Hopefully. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> I'm sure that's coming. <laughs> Haven't seen it announced yet. Uh, yeah. So okay. Um, and so and then um, the other companion we talked about was Nardole. Um, mm -hmm. I'm not sure he was he was he was a minor companion, but he was the one unqualified success. Yes, both oh, yeah. Clara and Bill had you know nice aspects, but they also had flaws in the way they were written and presented. Uh, Nardole, though, was just a he was a show stealer. He came in oh. as a minor one shot and ended up coming back and getting a whole season. And he was just a breath of fresh air. He was oh, a he, delight. Right. Well, he, he, he was such a great counter to the doctor because the doctor would do something and Nardole would just call him on it. And it was yeah. just hilarious. Yeah, he was that he was the straight man to, the, to that. I mean, he just really kind of um, he, he he kind of countered the doctor's snark with his own version of it you know and it was yeah it was uh the familiarity that he had with the doctor mm -hmm. you could felt like they like he knew him very well that they'd been together by the end that they'd been together for, for quite a while 
Uh, By the way, notice notice what he and Donna have in common as successful companions who give the doctor pushback. They're both comedians. Right. That's what they're known for. Right. Exactly. That's and that's that was one of the things that makes it such a success. Um, so let's well, talk. Oh, go ahead. Anything I was going to say, one, one thing that was so great about Nardal, too, is, I mean, he was such a humorous character, but then there would be times when he would just get dead serious. And it right. would just stand out. It's like, wow, okay, you got to pay attention to this guy. Yes. And, and comedy does that. Com- comedy is, is comedy based on the, yeah. on the pivoting between the absurd and the serious. Right, right. And the, you forget at your, at your peril uh, the necessity uh, you know, as, a, as a storyteller. Um, so let's go to um, talk about the probably the, the biggest uh, uh, ancillary character, the most popular or next to Nardole, which is Missy. Missy yep. is awesome. I love <laughs> Missy. I, th- I think, you know, as uh, so we've had basically we've had two masters in the new in new who we've had uh, Harold Saxon master and we've had the Missy master and. Mm-hmm. Uh, I John agree. Sims and yeah, yeah, oh, and yeah. We had just a brief. The master oh, didn't well, know we he was the master. Had Derek Jacoby, yeah, yeah. Yep. But uh, but he didn't know he was the master, so that almost doesn't count. Um, but uh, yeah, although but I got to mention, Derek Jacoby has is now doing uh, uh, audios for Big Finish as the War Master. Oh, and wow. and there's and so you get to see him when he knows he's the master before he's used the chameleon arch thing to become a human and lose that knowledge. And so it's actually quite a lot of fun to listen to him as the war master. Cool. He's, he's, he's very mixed. He's not completely evil, but he's also not completely good. <laughs> <laughs> he's the master. Yeah. <laughs> so you know, it's, as a recollection with Missy, you know, we, we had this character show up in, um, in the first season of uh, Peter Capaldi's time, um, was it? Was it? Yeah. Was it in? Uh, I'm trying to think of when she first showed up. Was it in Dark Water? No, no, no. no. That's when the reveal was. was oh, in right. Dark Water. Um, to- she first showed up right at the beginning of the series with the robots. It was another one of the mechanical robots things, um, uh, like the ones in the Girl in the Fireplace. Okay. Okay. Where you had these clockwork robots, and it, and 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 the Doctor and Clara encountered those early on, and that was our first intro to Missy, because one of the clockwork robots died and went to quote unquote heaven. Okay, was that the one where they were the, that took place at Coal Hill School? Um, no, it was earlier than that. It was in the nineteenth century. Oh, okay. I'm trying to think of uh, which one that would have been. I'm trying to remember because. Um, Mummy on the Orient Express, Flatline in the Force. Yeah, I'm trying to think. I don't think that was that season. So, so deep. Well, Deep Breath was in the mm-hmm. 19th century. That's what it was. It was the first episode. It was, it was the first. Right, yeah. yeah, it was the first Peter Capaldi episode. Okay, and that's yeah, that's where we first saw Missy, um, and we all didn't know who is this Missy. Who is this? And there was lots of speculation. Missy, Master, Mistress. Um, yeah, this idea. Um, so, and in, she, in keeping with the fact the master frequently shows up under an alias that's an anagram for master or the word master in another right. language, and so longtime fans spotted that real fast. And it's a very she's so very deliciously evil. 
throughout her, her and, and run. Crazy. Yes, she is. Yeah, she's off her rocker. She's not a a master in control uh, who just has you know uh, dastardly abes. She's she's nuts, literally. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah, and and evil, and which, uh, which has always been there in the master, but they're really playing it up, right? And, and I she's think the it, craziest master we've had, right? I mean, the 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 Harold Saxon master at his end was pretty off the wall too. And mm-hmm. I think that was supposed to be this. She's supposed to be the extension of that yeah. uh, character. In, in in classic who the Anthony Ainley master was really insane, but yeah. even oh, yeah. he wasn't as funny and insane as Missy. Right. And she's yep, such exactly. a, she had like some great moments um, in, in dark water, her, her reveal, uh, the mm-hmm. again Where she's pretending to be a robot and kissing the doctor and things like that <laughs> yes and, yeah yep um and then and then again we mentioned uh magician's apprentice which is familiar her interactions with clara um there were some really when, good moments there when she kills osgood yes that is, was is a, is a great moment that was huge um, I'm going to kill you in a moment, but don't tell the boys. It'll be our girl's secret. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the uh, the whole Danny Pink, uh, the end of Danny Pink, uh, what she did with him. Um, now that I hated. I yeah. just I hated the Cybermen thing. I yep. hated the fact they took all of these characters, including the Brigadier and Danny Pink, and yep. made them Cybermen. That was just ick. I hated right. that. Yeah, that was just bad. That, that Loved was not- Missy, though. Yeah. I- I, I still a little veer a little bit into a tangent. I still mm-hmm. am not happy with how they dealt with Danny Pink, given the setup that they yeah. had with, you know, oh, by the way, this is Clara and Danny's great, great, great grandson, Colonel Pink. Right. Like, wait, like I still I'm still kind of upset about that because, yeah, yeah. again, it's mistreating. The, it's misleading the audience. And I don't I don't like when you do that without unless you have an explanation for it. Um, I, I, well, I, maybe it, she takes her TARDIS with with a shoulder and goes and finds Danny Pink at some point before his death and has babies and then wipes his memory. Who knows? <laughs> right, right. But it's still mistreating the audience. Your point yeah. stands. Yeah, they don't resolve that for us. Yeah. So, um, so we have so that we have that, and uh, but then um, you know the the end of Missy in uh, the doctor falls to world enough in time where she's with her previous, uh, incarnation, um, wh- which is the, the Harold Saxon master played by, um, I can never remember his, his John, John Sims, John Sims, uh, John Sim, I think is singular, I guess. Yeah, uh, it could be, yeah. um, where he's now the master who's not crazy. Like, mm-hmm. bef- you know, it, before that moment, right. He's still the master, but he's not like manic. And the, their interactions in that moment, like in that episode, that might have been the best part of that episode. Oh, was, it clearly exactly. was. Yeah. yeah. The, the, it was so good. Yeah. The 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 fact that Missy also is, I mean, she's morphing into a companion I mean, right. at that point in her character arc. And um, I mean, she's she's and ultimately, although the doctor doesn't know it because John Sim kills her. Uh, she chooses the side of light and yep. she chooses to stand with the doctor. And that's great. That's it makes her fascinating. The interaction between the two incarnations, of the master fascinating. All of that's great. What harms that episode is the kind of cheesy Walton's esque stuff. 
and the um and the fact that they that they don't let Bill have a proper fate as a torn Cyberman. Right. Right. Um and the, the uh, Missy, you know, spoilers I suppose, but she dies, she's shot by so and, and yeah, also, whenever someone dies, stick. we have to yeah. yeah. Right. The the, the master stick. has died how many times? Uh so I'm curious to see how they bring the master back with the 13th doctor. I would love to see Michelle Gomez come back uh, as the master with Jodie Whittaker and to see mm-hmm. how that relationship works. Uh, it, it it would be interesting. Uh, Michelle Gomez has said that she doesn't plan on coming back, but she said that before the announcement of Jodie Whittaker. So who yeah. knows? It might change it. I've but heard she her. Did, she did. Yeah. She did say, I, I want to be like Peter Capaldi's master. Yeah. I, although I have re- more recently heard her say something uh-huh. where she's open to it. So, okay. So that might be, I, I think the, that I think she's as intrigued by that possibility of playing I, a female master against a female doctor. Yeah. I think, I think it's whether that would be successful will depend on how they establish Jodie Whittaker's or Jodie Foster's character. Jodie Whittaker's. Jody Whittaker's character. <laughs> Sorry. I only have room for so many Jodies in my brain space. Um, <laughs> But it'll it'll settle down once the series begins. But we have to know how they're going to write the new Doctor in order to know how whether it would be successful pitting her against Missy. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, we're we're going pretty long here, uh, and so I want to mm-hmm. kind of uh, wrap up and get so any if you have any last thoughts on Peter Capaldi as the Doctor. Um, just, I think he got better over time. And also the one companion, even though she only appeared once, but she was a previous companion was River Song. Oh, and, yeah. and we commented on how, how I think she worked very well with, uh, Peter Capaldi's doctor. Yep. Yes. Yes. Uh, that, that we've got a completion of her story in the husband's yeah. river song that was well done. And they're only and I, I, I time like, together, I like right? the fact that. They're only time together. Yeah. yeah. And I like the fact that um, that she didn't know about him. Yep. That right. She assumed he only had these thir- these 13 incarnations. And so she didn't know about him. And so he's got one up on her for once because that's yep. the reversal of their normal dynamic yep. where she knows more than the doctor. Yeah. And and he gets that great scene where it's like, oh, I finally get to do this when he walks into the TARDIS and gets to be amazed <laughs> yes. at how big it is on the yes. inside. <laughs> that well, was a great I, scene. I just saw the I just saw the the scene where she realizes that it's him. I just saw that on, on YouTube a couple of days ago. I love that where, you know, she's there. She's basically trapped by all these these people and oh you know we know that you're the consort of the doctor the doctor will come to rescue is like oh the doctor won't come to rescue me he's off saving the universe he's not going to worry about me and of course peter capaldi's standing right there the doctor's standing yeah. right there <laughs> and, and she's just talking and talking and talking and then she looks over at him and hello sweetie yeah. <laughs> yes. that, that was great that was great i i love uh alex kingston as river song um and uh and that was they they the chemistry, there was real chemistry between Peter Capaldi and her, um, and and that was that was a I, I want I think one of my yeah one of my favorite Christmas episodes yep. uh, because like you said it was the Christmas part was ancillary to it, you know mm-hmm. there was snow, <laughs> but it was a great story. Yeah, but it was a it was yeah. and it was a great wrap up to the river, um, the river arc. Shall we speak? And and this is one place where Peter Cap- where Stephen Moffat's death asterisk worked. 
because we knew that we knew that they were going to go eventually to the singing towers of Darillion. Yeah. We knew they were going to have one last night together, and then she was mm-hmm. going to go back in time to silence in the library. And how do you make that not feel like such a downer at the ending? Having the nights turn out to be 26 years long was great. Right. That, oh, yeah. that time yep. it worked. Yes, it did. Yes. Um, so that, yes, that was, that was good. So folks, um, that's, that's our retrospective on the Peter Capaldi's time as the 12th doctor. Um, so what did you think? What do you think of our choices? What do you think of our assessment? Um, what's your top five list and, or your bottom five list? Um, tell us how we're wrong. We'd love to, we want to hear from you. Um, so let us know, uh, go to sqpn.com or the secrets of Doctor Who Facebook page. Uh, leave us some feedback there. Lots of people do that. We love that. We 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 enjoy all of your comments, and we really appreciate you taking the time to, to leave us comments or to send us an email to Doctor Who at sqpn dot com. Um, you know, it's, you can write her an email. You can record uh, some audio feedback that we could play. Uh, you can find links to all our personal social media in our websites on our show notes on sqpn dot com. And we'll be back next week uh, when we'll be discussing. We'll continue our our preparation for the new season of Doctor Who the, the, with the 13th Doctor. And this time we'll be discussing all of the Doctor Who episodes written by the new showrunner, Chris Chibnall, uh, as well as maybe some of his other work that you might be familiar with. So until then, Father Corey Stika, thank you for joining me and sharing the secrets of Doctor Who. I'm glad to be here. and Thank you, Dom. Uh, Jimmy Aiken, thank you as well. My pleasure, Dom. And once again, I'm Dom Bettinelli. Thank you for listening, and remember... God! Oh, it's bigger! Oh, uh, yes. On the inside. Look, we need to concentrate. There it is. Yeah, I know where you're going with this, but I need you to calm down. On the outside? Oh, you certainly grasped the essentials. My entire understanding of physical space has been transformed! Three-dimensional Euclidean geometry has been torn up, fur in the air, and slumped to death by grasp! of the universal constants of physical reality has been changed forever. Sorry. I've always wanted to see that done properly.